Welcome to the Community Hope Podcast. We exist to share hope with more people in more places. For more information on this podcast or our church, please visit communityhope.org. Now stay tuned for our Sermon of the Week. So we are beginning a new series today. It's entitled Hope Has a Name. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks as we look forward and as we celebrate Christmas because I don't know, I'm going to find out where our camp divides here. I just want to take an informal poll. How many of you believe it's a sin to play Christmas music and put up Christmas decorations prior to Thanksgiving? I see you're my people. You are my people. Okay? December 1st, just go, go crazy. Go hog wild. I don't care. Just, just let us do one holiday at a time. That's all I ask. How many of you wish we would just play Christmas music 365 days a year? Do I have any of those people? A few of you. All right. That's okay. Well, we, we, we are excited to be uh, celebrating Christmas and looking forward to, to talk, you know, talking about Christmas. And so we're talking about this series, Hope Has a Name. And so we're actually looking at one specific scripture verse in Isaiah where it talks about the different names of Jesus. And so, and one of those names is him being a wonderful counselor. And we're going, to be, we're going to be talking about that today. But, you know, it's interesting, the thing about names. I mean, I'm just curious, how many parents do I have in the room? Wave your hands at me if you've got kids. All right, awesome. Naming your child is a very, is a, there's a lot of pressure to that. Do you remember going through that pressure? We did it four different times. Okay, and so I didn't realize this going into the process, but there's all these unwritten rules when it comes to picking out a baby's name. For instance, if you or your spouse ever dated by someone by the name that you're considering, it's forever off limits. Right? Also, if you or your spouse or a family member ever knew someone by that name and they were a little quirky or, quirky or odd, eh, off limits, right? Let me give you an example. Uh, we were t- when we were debating when Elena was about to be born, I love the name Trinity. See, Elena's looking at me like, really, Trinity? We're glad, she's glad we picked that name. I love the name Trinity. My wife said, no way. I said, why? She said, I knew a Trinity in high school, and she was terrible. <laughs> but what's that have to do with anything? Well, that's just one of those unwritten rules, right? There's just lots of different unwritten rules about picking a name. See, another thing, too, is it's like once we did, like we got past that, and once we started talking to her name, then I started thinking, all right, what is the way that some little kid's going to make fun of this name? You know, does it rhyme with anything? You know, like, I was trying to protect my children. That's why I loved growing up with the name Brad Singleton. You couldn't do anything with Brad Singleton. It didn't rhyme with anything. You couldn't make fun of me in any way with my name. I loved it. And so when we were, we were picking out names, we, we were very, very careful about, you know, the significance of, of how we, we picked out the names for our kids. So names are important because they, they have lots of significance and meaning, right? And so today we're talking about some of the different names that was prophesied for for Jesus. So today we're going to be actually, we're going to be walking through the the book of John again, but to set us up, we're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And you may have heard this verse when associated with Christmas, and it says this, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Today we're going to be looking at this first one, Wonderful Counselor. Now, and so these, these, because this was prophesied, this was prophesied 700 years before Jesus came, okay? And so here's this, this we're going to look real quickly at Wonderful Counselor. This is actually, if you go back and look at this in the Hebrew, these words have specific meanings. 
wonderful. It's Pele, beyond understanding, too wonderful for words. Yahweh's, to advise, to consult, to guide. Our wonderful counselor. That's, that's what Jesus came to be for us, is a wonderful counselor. Now, as I've said before, I'm just willing to say publicly what you may think privately. I don't know if this is one of those moments for you or not, but here's what I find interesting about this. This was prophesied 700 years before Jesus was born. So understand the audience to whom this was written. Okay, they're in turmoil. Their land is being overtaken by, by foreign governments. Okay, they're, they are in turmoil. Their lives are falling apart. And God sends them a prophecy. He said, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of everything. I'm going to send my son. And he's going to be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Imagine the people that heard that. They said, yes, praise God. When's he coming? Now, God didn't tell them it would be 700 years, but we know that now. So oftentimes when God says things to us, they can be rather disconcerting because that's great. You're going to take care of everything, but you're like tomorrow, right? No, I'm going to take care of all of this. But be patient. <laughs> really? How many of you in this room care what's going to happen 700 years from now? I didn't think so. Like, no. Well, thanks, God. That, thanks a lot. But I was kind of hoping you'd fix this, like, like by Tuesday. That's, and see, when it comes to our wonderful counselor, I want to see so many times the counsel that God gives us is beyond understanding. Okay? And that's what qualifies him to be a wonderful counselor for us. See, when you pursue a counselor, who do you typically seek out? Someone who's older, someone who's wiser, someone who's been there, done that. They've got a different perspective on life, don't they? Imagine how much more so the God of the universe, who knows what's going to happen 700 years from now, and can predict it. See, that's the perspective that our God has that we don't have. See, I, I compare our lives like this. It's kind of like that we are in a parade. Every summer we go and we, we march in the Montezuma parade. I love it. You know what's interesting about being in a parade is I can only see the people directly behind me and directly in front of me. And that's kind of the way it is with us when it comes to time. We only know what's, what's happened in the past and we can kind of maybe sort of halfway predict what may be happening tomorrow or maybe next week. But good luck us knowing what's going to happen 10 years, 100 years, definitely not 700 years. We have no idea, do we? See, God is, it's almost like God's watching the parade from a helicopter. He can see it all. He can see the beginning. He can see the end. He knows what's going to happen. So when he says, calm down, child, it's going to be okay. He's speaking not just hopeful terms. He knows. Yes, yeah, see, I see the beginning from the end. I know what's going to happen, and you're going to be okay. So when our wonderful counselor speaks to us, he speaks from an eternal perspective that our finite brains can't seem to wrap ourselves around. So when God says, it's going to be okay, I'm going to get you through this, he knows what he's talking about. And so that's our wonderful counselor. And so today, like we do just about every week, we're dropping down into the eyewitness account of John. And John's talking about Jesus, our wonderful counselor. And so here we are again Dropping in on this moment where Jesus is having an interaction with his disciples. It's the last meal he'll have with them. And I want to highlight some interesting, this interesting conversation 
between Jesus and his disciples. This is how it starts off in John chapter 13, verse 33. If you want to follow along, I encourage you to turn there. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come to where I'm going. The disciples were all grown men. I don't know if they were offended by the title, Dear Children, but that's how Jesus addressed them because that's how much love and compassion he has for them. And he gives them really disconcerting news. I'm leaving. And then he goes on to tell us something that we've covered many different times here in talking through this passage. In the next verse, in in, in verse 33, he gives this crazy commandment. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other, just as I have loved you, so you should love each other. A brand new commandment. God, Jesus is giving us earth-shattering news. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. If you've been around church, you've probably heard that part before. But here's the part that we don't always talk about. I love this. Simon raises his hand. Uh, Lord, uh, where are you going? I love this. I love how honest this is. Like, they forgot, they didn't hear the rest of what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm leaving. And then he says this earth-shattering thing, like, I'm instituting a new thing. I'm getting rid of all the old. We're getting rid of the old commandments, and I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. And, and they didn't even hear that part. All they heard was, I'm leaving. I love how honest the questions are that the, the disciples ask. Um, hey, Lord, um, where, are you, where are you going? There's times when... Not times, but we just need to learn how to get this honest with God. If we're just willing to raise our hands and say, okay, hold on, God, I'm, I'm, you lost me there. <laughs> I'm confused. Help me understand what you're talking about. So when it comes to the counselor, our wise counselor, the first advice I'm going to give you today is to don't be afraid to ask the counselor. Because unfortunately, I don't, see, I don't know what your church background is, but we can tend to go two extremes when it comes to God. And the one extreme is if you were raised in maybe a church de- denomination where we had so much awe and reverence and respect for God that we made it sound like he was this far off God that we had to be fearful of. And then we had to come to him through all these forms and rituals and complicated prayers. There's some things that we think are off limits to talk to God about. There are things that we think, that, well, I'm not, I, I can't ask God about that. Jesus has been with his disciples for three years now and they're just bold enough to raise their hand and say, I don't get it. Help. This is the kind of relationship that our wise counselor wants to have with us because until we have the boldness to ask the question, we'll never even have the possibility of getting an answer. And I'm not telling you God will answer your questions because I ask God questions all the time that he doesn't answer. Or he tells me, wait, like I'll tell you that someday. Like you're not ready for that. But I'm just bold enough to ask the question because until you're bold enough to ask the question, you don't even have a chance of getting an answer. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. (laughs) Listen to what he says next. I love this interaction. It's when he says, dear children, he says that for a reason, because he's but why can't I come now, Lord? Doesn't this sound like you're interacting with a five-year-old? But why? Why can't I come now? I love the honesty. Because let's be honest, every one of us in the room We've got a lot of but why questions that we need to ask God. But why? Why did you let that happen? Why did you take that person? And we just need to be honest. There's lots of times when we have these kind of but why questions. But why? That doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem right. Why is this happening? God is comfortable with your but why kind of questions. 
He's not intimidated by them. He's not frustrated by them. Guess what? There's nothing off limits when it comes to God. Some of you are looking at me like you've never heard this before. But why? I love the way he interacts. But why can't I come now, Lord? It's time for us to stop being afraid of talking to God about certain things. God's not intimidated by our prayers. But why can't I come now, Lord, he asks. I'm ready to die for you. Simon. Jesus gives him some rather disconcerting news. Jesus answered, die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Did this, uh, this meal is kind of getting out of hand. Jesus said someone was going to betray him. And now he says, Peter, the most the closest of all of them, the most devoted, he said, oh, by the way, before tomorrow morning, you're going to deny three times that you even know me. This meal is falling apart, and all the disciples are, guess what? They are freaking out. Jesus senses it. He knows it. This is how chapter 13 ends, but look at how chapter 14 starts with, one, with what could be a, a really famous scripture if you've been around the church very long. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. I trust also in me. This is one of those really cute, flowery things that we put on a doily and hang on a wall, you know? I mean, this is the kind of things that we remember to you saying, oh yeah, that's, that sounds really nice. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. That sounds like preacher talk, doesn't it? But do you realize how messy this is? Do you realize how hard this is to do? This is to do your hearts be troubled? And here's the part, when I studied this, I never ever saw it before. And I'm just guessing, maybe you, you never saw it either. Jesus is saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. But do you realize where we just heard this same phrase just a few verses earlier? John 13, 21, look at that. Now Jesus was deeply troubled and he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. I don't know if you've ever heard this. I never saw it before. Do you see what Jesus is saying? He said, that same anxiety you feel rising up inside of you, he said, I feel it too. That same worry, that same knot in the pit of your stomach, he said, I feel it too. In fact, I was overwhelmed by that feeling just a few minutes ago when I realized one of you is going to betray me. But here's what I'm trying to teach you and challenge you with. He said that don't let that control you. Do you see how relatable our wonderful counselor is? I think we've forgotten about this. I think we've ran right past it. The Bible says that Jesus was in all points tempted just like we were. So here's what I want you to see. Jesus was sinless. The Bible says he never, ever sinned, okay? But here's something I say a lot sometimes, and people think I'm crazy. Do you realize Jesus was sinless, but Jesus was not perfect? Now, what in the world do I mean by that? He was 100% divine, right? 100% God. The Bible says he never, ever sinned. But you know what the scriptures also say? Is that he took on all of our weaknesses, he took on all of our weaknesses, those emotions that tend to overwhelm us. He felt them too. He felt that anxiety. He felt that worry. He says his heart was deeply troubled. And then he tells his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let that trouble in your heart control your life. He said, I've taken on all of the weaknesses of humanity. I've taken on all of the emotions. I know what it feels like to have your heart be troubled. Jesus knows what it's like to have your heart be troubled. And here's the solution. He says, now trust me. Trust me with your troubled heart. That's the solution. And again, I know it sounds real flowery and nice, but this is really messy, isn't it? 
This is messy to feel that anxiety and that worry in your heart and then go, oh, here you go, God, I trust you with this. That's hard. This sounds easy, but it's not. This is hard to go feel that trouble rise up in your heart and go, I trust you. So here's what I want you to see. Jesus is telling us the answer to a troubled heart is a trusting heart. When your heart is troubled, and let's face it, we all experience it. We all do. We all experience that troubled heart. And guess what? It's not a lack of faith for you to go to God and say, my heart is troubled right now. But do you realize what the people of faith did? Then they actually, Jesus said, Jesus, I'm really struggling right now. Help. This is where God meets us. And that's the joy and the beauty of what we celebrate at Christmas is not us getting ourselves to God. It's God coming down to us. It's Jesus. Jesus could have been born anywhere. Instead, he was born in a filthy stable. He could have called anybody to come to announce his birth. Instead, he called shepherds. Jesus took on all the humility and the weaknesses and the, and the things that we wrestle with so hard. He took them all on as a human being. So when you talk to God and say, this is what I'm feeling, Jesus, your wonderful counselor, can say, I get it. See, because when, when I need advice or something, there are certain people that I seek out. And I'll just be real honest. If I got parenting troubles, I am not going to talk to someone who isn't a parent and singled. I got a good friend of mine. <laughs> He'll be watching this on video. He is, he's an unmarried single man. He constantly tries to give me parenting advice. I'm like, dude, once you get married and have kids, then we'll talk. Until then, I love you, but keep your advice to yourself. Okay, I guess I'm the only one bold enough to say that. But I get it. I was a parenting expert too until I had them. And then all that all went out the window. So when we talk to Jesus, our wonderful counselor, and we talk to him about the honest troubling that we says, he said, yeah, I know. I know. And that's how he's talking to his disciples. A troubled heart. He said, now what I'm asking you to do with your troubled heart is to trust me. Trust me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your troubled heart take over your life. Because when we are troubled, well, many times that's when we do crazy things. It's because we feel this troubled heart and we got to do something about it. So now he's challenged us. He said, would you trust me? Would you trust the counselor? That is the battle of faith. Because we want to hang on. We want to try to fix it. We want to try to figure it out. And God said, no, I'm asking you to trust me with it. Trust me with That's the antidote to a troubled heart is a trusting heart. So not only do we have to listen to the counselor, it's also time for us to trust him. He goes on. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me and where I am and you know the way to where I'm going. Now, Peter is not the one who speaks up this time. Now it's Thomas. Now look at what Thomas says next. No, we don't, Lord. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? Have you, I encourage you, if you haven't, read through this, this account of John. It's messy. It's honest. I love it. Because the disciples, they're the one, like me, boldly raising their hand. Uh, no, we don't, Lord. Do you realize the guts that takes to confront Jesus? That's what Thomas did. Jesus is like, yeah, I'm going to prepare a place for you. You know the way. And Thomas goes, no, what? No, we have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? This is another thing that we've lost in church in America. This is what I love about Thomas is he is brutally honest with the counselor. 
We're, we're not, we are not at all prepared for this in the church world, being brutally honest with God. We're, what, are we, what are we taught? We're taught loud, we're taught flowery, Christianized, sanitized prayers. When that's not the way God said that we had to talk to him. If you ever think that God can't hear your prayers, I'd encourage you to read through Psalms. Listen to some of the prayers that David prayed. David, the man after God's own heart, literally said this in a song that was be prepared for the church to sing. He said, Lord, crush their babies against the rocks. Worship would look a little bit differently if we sang songs like that, wouldn't it? No, you can, Psalms 137, you can look it up. I'm not making this up. You're all like, who is this joker? David preaches, he, he prays brutally honest prayers with God. This is not something we're used to in the church. We're not used to people being brutally honest. We're used to fake and phony, plastic smiles. God, I'm blessed and highly favored, brother. That's what we're used to in the church. But God's not intimidated by your brutally honest prayers. Some of you need to hear that. God's not intimidated by your brutally honest prayers. I had to do that this week. I had to turn off the computer monitor while I'm sitting in my office and stare off into the, off of the window and go, God, I'm, I'm struggling right now. I feel like you're a million miles away. What's going on? Like, I'm hurting right now. I need you. God is not intimidated by your brutally honest prayers. And I understand that we're not used to this. We're not used to brutally honest. That's why I scare a lot of people. When I get on stage and I start talking, don't, don't be brutally honest. Can't you just pretend like everything's okay, Pastor? I mean, really? Maybe we, maybe we can start being honest. Now I get it why we wouldn't want to be brutally honest with each other. I, I'm okay. I get that. Like, this is not necessarily the environment for us all to be brutally honest with each other. You know, that would be really scary. How you doing? I'm really depressed. <laughs> My life's falling apart. I had a brutal fight with my wife last night. She told me she couldn't stand me. Actually, I struggle every single day with feeling like I'm a terrible parent. I'm not necessarily saying you lead with that. Like, I get that. Like, this seems like an awkward environment for us to be brutally honest. But guess what? We all need a space where we can be. We do. And so that's why we've, at Community Hope, we've set up another environment where maybe you could take a journey towards maybe you could step into honesty. It's called our community groups where we sit in a circle and we actually be honest about our lives. We don't pretend like everything's okay. It's an environment where we could be brutally honest. Well, if there's, if there's no one else in your world that you can be brutally honest with, the good news is today that you can be brutally honest with God. He can handle it. Thomas was brutally honest, and I appreciate Thomas. We have no idea what you're talking about, Lord. <laughs> I mean, they all could, all the disciples could have smiled and said, well, that's great. Did somebody write that down? What is he talking about? Instead, he raised his hand. Well, I'm confused. What are you talking about? And so the conversation goes on in John chapter 14. Jesus told him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have 
seen him. <laughs> and now poor Philip, he goes too far. <laughs> Lord, just show us the Father, we'll be satisfied. And then this is where <laughs> Jesus, the wonderful counselor, starts to get frustrated. Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, so why are you asking me to show him to you? I don't know what Jesus' volume level was when he says this, but I just sense like he's getting frustrated with the disciples. Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? The words that I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. It's basically like Jesus is saying, okay, enough questions. What I need you right now is I need you to listen. You haven't been listening. I've been talking to you for three years now, and you're still not listening. What I need you to do right now is I need you to listen to me. So there's some times where we just, we've, we've, we've been brutally honest with the counselor, and now it's time for us to listen. Now it's time for us to listen. I've spoke my piece, Lord, and now I'm going to sit back and listen. And so later on in this passage, he talks about how you can listen to God the Father, you can listen to me, God the Son, but now I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit. I will ask a father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. And then he goes on in the next verse and he talks about this. He says, the world ex cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you now and will be in you. I've shared this before, but this word know here is not this mental knowledge. In the Greek, it actually it's a term for sexual intimacy. It's that kind of knowledge. It's that kind of being so close that when God speaks that you hear him. Because when he tells us to listen to the counselor, this is where, I don't know what your experiences have been like, but my experience has been different in different times in my life with God. That when, I'm, when it comes to listening to the counselor, he talks in different volumes to me at different times. Have you experienced that? Sometimes he screams. You ever had God scream at you? I have. I've had God scream at me at times. If you've never had God scream at you, maybe you're not being dumb like I am. I don't know. I've had to scream at my kids before. I remember we lived in Cedar Rapids on 42nd Street. The street was so busy. One of my kids ran out, and ran out to go get a ball. I think, I'm pretty sure it was Isaiah. It sounds like something, yeah. I'll make this story about Isaiah. My girls were like, yeah, I'll make it about him. The street was so busy, the ball went out, and I see him running. Okay, I lose my mind. I won't demonstrate for you the volume for which I screamed at my kid. I was screaming at him. Now, if everyone else was watching me, they may have thought I was an abusive parent. What was I trying to do? I was trying to save his life. And because I knew what he was about to step into, I was screaming at him. Sometimes God may scream at you. He screamed at me before. I'll share a story with you. I don't think I've ever shared uh, publicly before. It's not a story that I'm proud of, and it's not rated G, by the way. <laughs> I put myself in a really bad situation as a teenager. I was hanging out at this, this lady's house, and uh, we were just, we spent a lot of time together, and um, that hanging out proceeded to making out. And one night, uh, you got to cover each other's ears if this is too much for you. And I'm, not, and I'm making this up. This is what she did. She, she walked over to her bedroom door and did this. It's the first time in my life I heard God scream at me. You know what he screamed? Run away! 
He was screaming. I never heard God screaming at me so loud. It was, it was like I could hear, run, run. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm hearing this over and over and over again. And I'm just like sitting here, you know, and I'm like in the midst of this temptation and God's screaming at me. I'm, no, no, I'm not exaggerating this one bit. This is what I did. There was a glass of water sitting there on the table. I took a drink of it. I threw the rest of it in my face and I did this. Ah! And I ran out of her house and I never went back. God was screaming at me. You're standing on the edge of the cliff. What are you going to do? Stop. Now, fortunately, there's not been a lot of times in my life where God's had to scream at me because fortunately, I've not put myself in those stupid situations all the time because honestly, let's just be honest, most of the time, God whispers. This is how he normally talks to us. And for you to hear me right now, you really have to be paying attention, don't you? This is how God normally talks. Unfortunately, we live in a world that's really, really loud and chaotic. And we don't take the time to turn off all the noise and listen to his voice. And we look at each other and say, God never talks to me. He's talking to you all the time, but most of the time he whispers. And we don't slow down long enough to hear him, what he's actually saying. The overwhelming times that I interact with God, he, he talks like this. Now, it's really hard. Sometimes he's silent. I don't like those times. I don't like those times when I feel like I've quieted myself. I'm doing everything I know how to do. And I, it's like, God, where are you? Sometimes he screams. Most of the time he speaks softly. Sometimes he's even silent. And I think a lot of times it's kind of a test to see if I'll keep going even when I can't hear him. Well, I keep, keep, I keep acting on the last thing I heard from him. Well, I keep walking down this path that he said go down when he's not necessarily there every step of the way saying, come on, you can do it. So my challenge to you today is, is that God wants to interact with you as a wonderful counselor. He does. And the question is, is will you take the time to interact with him? Will you take the time to ask the counselor? to not be fearful and afraid to ask the counselor hard questions? Will you be honest with God? Will you have the faith to trust him when your heart is troubled? Will you trust him? Will you be brutally honest with the counselor? Will you listen to the counselor? Because he wants to counsel you. And the Bible says that his words they're there for us for a reason. Now, here's the very last thing I want to share with you is this one. Do what the counselor says. This can be the hardest part, can't it? But it's, Jesus says it the most succinctly in this passage in chapter 2. If you love me, obey. Not complicated. If you love me, obey. If you love me, do what I said. This can be the hardest part for us, isn't it? That's why counselors stay in business. Because we keep coming back and we keep hearing the same good advice over and over again, but we don't actually do it. We don't actually put it into practice in our lives. He says, if you love me, obey. Obey my commandments. And But then he also goes on talking about the Holy Spirit. I love this. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and he will remind you of everything I've told you. I need the Holy Spirit to constantly remind me. Most of what God says to me is not new information. It's just reminding me. I love the fact that God's gentle enough to keep reminding me. I'm so glad that when I get off track, 
and I have for the hundredth time. He's just gentle enough to remind me. No, 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 it's, it's, it's back over here. He's a loving, heavenly father. And when he sent Jesus, what we get to celebrate here at Christmas 2,000 years ago, hope has a name, and it's Jesus. And he wants to interact with you as a wonderful counselor. But will you be willing to interact with him? Because his, the Bible says that he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. He's waiting for you to open it up. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up if they would. And if nothing else, I get up here every week to let you know that if God could still love me in the midst of all my dysfunction, in the midst of all my hurt and pain and faults and failures, there's hope for you too. And someone was asking me a really hard theological question this week. They heard this guy on the internet that said everybody was going to go to heaven. And they were trying to, they were like asking me to explain to them why that wasn't true. And I said, do you know why, why, how it works? When Jesus, what we celebrate at Christmas, Jesus coming to the earth and he dying on a cross. Yeah, he paid for the forgiveness of the world, but it's like he put a million dollars in a bank account with your name on it. But until you go to the bank and make a withdrawal, it doesn't do you any good. In the same way with our wonderful counselor. He's there. Wanting to interact with you. He's done everything that needs to be done for you to interact with him. He just says, well, I'm, I'm at the door. I'm knocking. I'm knocking. Will you open the door? He said, I'll sit down. We'll share a meal together as friends. He's a wonderful counselor. And so my hope and my prayer is, is that you could tap into that relationship with Jesus. If you're not already, he wants to be a wonderful counselor for you. And so all throughout this week, I've been, there have been moments and times where I've, I've come up, I come up to the end of myself and I stop my pause and I go, okay, wonderful counselor. What do I do with this? What do I do here? Because I'm, I'm at the end of myself. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Help. Would you be willing to do that? I'm going to ask you, would you stand to your feet? Would you close your eyes? Again, we're going to talk to God for just a minute now. And I'm just wondering, is there anyone here in this room you've never taken the first step into that relationship with your heavenly father? You've not experienced him as a wonderful counselor. Or maybe you did a long time ago and you feel like you've walked away. I want you to know that he's just one step back. If that's you, Or maybe, that, maybe there's a third category I want to talk about. Maybe just you heard God, the Holy Spirit, just knocking at the door of your heart as I spoke today, saying, yeah. I'm inviting you into that kind of relationship. Maybe you've been around church for a lot, a lot, a lot of t- period of time, but you've never had this kind of interaction with God. And today you hear, you hear him, feel him tugging at the, do- at the strings of your heart, saying, yeah, I'd love to have that kind of relationship with you. If that's you, you want to say yes to Jesus, would you put your hands out in front of you like you're receiving a gift? God, I thank you for everyone who right now is saying yes to you. Would you begin just to talk to God in your own way? God, I, I accept 
what Jesus did on the cross for me. I accept your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness. God, here's what I'm struggling with. God, I, I trust you right now, my wonderful counselor. I trust you. That's all faith is, is an expression of trust. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in the hearts and lives of people right here, right now in this room. If you were impacted by this sermon or if you have any questions, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Community Hope on Facebook and Instagram or at our website, communityhope.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next week. Oh.